Welcome to this episode of Lifestyle Matters. This week, I'm joined by Julie Schultz once again, who is a health coach that we've met before in the previous episode. Welcome, Julie. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Sabine. How are you? Good. Thanks, Julie. So I thought today we might talk a little bit about um, potential therapies and ways to sort of um, help people through multiple different types of um, issues, you know, so things like addiction issues, chronic diseases, and I guess in general practice, what I find the hardest thing is really promoting behavior change. That's the hardest thing, I think, out of everything. Um, And that's when the likes of yourself, like a health coach, comes into play. Um, And I guess what we also, to set the groundwork for this really, is that we know lots of chronic diseases these days are preventable. We just recapping from one of our first few episodes, the three F's and the three S's. So fingers, fork and feet being the three F's and the three S's being sleep, stress and socialization. And these are important aspects for us to have a good, fruitful, you know, and healthy life. So, But I guess the thing is that we all know that, you know, smoking is bad for us. We know that alcohol consumption is bad for us. We know eating a high-fat diet or high-calorie diet is not necessarily the best thing for all of us. But why is it so hard for us to change? Um, And what can we do to try to change this? And so one of the things that, one of the therapies that are out there amongst the commonly known CBT is something called motivational interviewing. Um, And... um, I was just hoping that, Julie, you could talk us a little bit about what motivational interviewing is from your perspective and um, how it can help people. Sure. Well, motivational interviewing is certainly a very key part of health coaching and how we um, support facilitation of change. Absolutely. Certainly as a health coach, we have time to do it. But, I mean, in an essence, motivational interviewing, I guess the main thing is trying to understand what it is. And it's uh, it's a collaborative, um, person-centred form of I guess, eliciting change and motivating change and understanding someone's commitment to change. So it's very much a collaborative conversation between the client and the clinician. And it's certainly centred, the main centre or the main part of it is trying to understand someone's ambivalence towards change. So ambivalence being um, when someone's in two minds about change. So they understand the you know, they want to change and they don't want to change at the exact same time. And that's often because there's pros for changing and there's pros for staying the same. And so it's very much um, identifying ambivalence and then, um, I guess, exploring it and then helping someone resolve this ambivalence is at the centre of what motivational interviewing is. So I see that ambivalence actually quite commonly in practice, um, you know, so I could be, I could have just newly died. Well, someone could have come in to see me with, you know, an alcohol problem, for example, and they're struggling to um, get rid of the alcohol issues, even though they know what it's doing to their liver or their heart. So they genuinely want to quit drinking, for example, but they, they take, go leave the prep, they leave the clinic saying, yep, I'm going to go do it. But then they end up doing the complete opposite at home Mm -hmm. and often I guess as clinicians we feel frustrated but in the end I guess it comes down to that whole ambivalence thing that state of conflict isn't it yes absolutely and one of the things we do very early on in the session is trying to do this thing called a decisional balance help the person understand 
um, kind of what's come into their decision around their ability to change or their want to change or their desire to change or their commitment to change. So it's helping them um, look at, you know, what they think themselves are the pros for staying the same and what are the, you know, benefits for changing or what are the benefits for not changing or what are the pros for not changing. And sometimes just having that on paper or discussion about it where they can really see you know, there are some benefits of them still drinking, for example. Maybe it's a social thing. Maybe it's a confidence builder. And then there are some pros for changing. Um, and so it's talking through and helping them come up with their own uh, reasons for wanting to change more than staying the same. So it's, it's very much a collaborative discussion and it's very much driven by the person themselves. And, in fact, that giving them that autonomy of making those decisions is very key in them them changing and maintaining those changing and, and, and following through of what you might discuss in the session with them. Yeah, and I guess what I wanted to just maybe just discuss before we go into it a bit further um, is the stages of change. I think that's important for for us all to actually be aware and I think it's important for anyone to be aware so there is um, when we as humans are faced with the need to change a behavior may it be you know eating a lot of junk food or maybe picking up that cigarette um, there is a, something called the stages of um, change that Prochaska um, and De Clemente sort of devised and that goes to the changes the stages of pre-contemplation where you're thinking about it um, mm -hmm. sometime down the future, um, contemplation where you're thinking, hmm, yes, I might do that. And that's where the ambivalence, ambivalence sort of part comes in, doesn't it, Julie? Yes. Yeah. And then you go through the next stage, which is basically, um, so for pre-contemplation to um, contemplation to the preparation and maintenance. And one of the important stages I find in this whole cycle of change is really the relapse stage. It's, it's so important for it to be there because we do expect people sometimes to relapse and that's normal. We expect mm. it and it's not a sign of failure. And I think that's what people need to be aware of because like, you know, I've got people who've had, you know, troubles with addiction and they come, they're doing really well and then they relapse and they're, they avoid coming back for an appointment because they think that it's a sign of failure. Um, and well, it's I, a lot of time. Yeah, one educating. of the important things there is is normalising that they're normal. They're normal to have ambivalence. They're normal to um, go through the different changes. They're normal to feel difficult to move from one stage of change to the next. And it's also normal for them to revert sometimes. Um, and I think sometimes when they really feel like they're normal and there's nothing wrong with them, that it's actually a natural process to you know, rise and fall through the different stages, then then that certainly makes a big difference to them. Yeah. So when have you used motivational interviewing in your uh, practice and when do you actually find it helpful? I guess let's break it up. When have yeah. you used it? Well, I would say it's probably a key technique that most health coaches would use in every session because um, I guess the key elements to it, just to understand, is that um, first of all, it's a collaboration. So every session we have with a client is about collaborating of where they're at, how they're feeling about things, you know, how committed they are to the change, um, how ready they are for the change, um, you know, what obstacles there are. So it's very much a collaboration and, and not, um, say, me telling them what to do. 
And then there's this sense of um, giving them autonomy. So making sure that they're coming up with the ideas, making sure they feel like they're running their change process, that it's all coming from within them. They're coming up with a menu of options of what to do. So obviously we're dealing with that in each session. Um, and then in each session, we're always um, like evoking um, some change conversations. So we're asking open-ended questions to kind of draw out some information of which we can then start working out what's holding them back, what would maybe assist them to change, kind of drawing that information out of themselves. So, I mean, I would say that it's a technique that we use in every single session to help move them from where they are in this state of ambivalence, for example, um, to their next level of change, to really, well, to change talks and to talk about change and then through the stages of change right through to maintenance. So I would say it's a it's a technique that is is intertwined through every session that we have. And what sort of scenarios would you find motivational interviewing helpful? Well, I guess as a health coach, you know, working in lifestyle medicine, someone can come in with a whole range of um, things they might want to change. So the first thing that's most important is, I guess, understanding from them um, like how ready they are to change or how interested they are to change or how confident they might be able to change and and not just confident change in general but in what specific so for example someone might have chronic issues um, they might have some sleep issues they might have some weight issues they might have um, a need to exercise but I really need to draw out of them what do they feel they're able to change here today or this week or this month? What would they like to work on? What do they feel they have confidence in changing and in what way and in how? So um, really any part of, of lifestyle medicine one can use it in. But, I mean, the research, first of all, began in the substance abuse. That's where substance abuse, yeah, substance abuse. That's where the motivational interviewing was first developed. Um, but there's certainly a lot of research now in, in diet, in exercise, in following through um, medical regimes that they're given um, and those type of things. Yeah. And I have to say, though, um, since doing lifestyle medicine, I've actually a you started using more motivational interviewing in my practice. And mm -hmm. I love asking the question, how confident are you to, you know, achieve X, Y, and Z? And because that sort of sets the tone for the consultation because you know that you're on the same page. You oh, know that. You know, yeah, it, I love it. You know, to understanding how ready someone is, you know, on their mm. readiness to change ruler, that's fantastic because, yeah. you know, we might be ready for them to change because it's really affecting their health, but they might be on a two for all sorts yeah. of reasons. And so yeah. drawing that out of them and helping them understand that is really great. And and then they may have um, a real interest in changing or they find it's really important to change, but their confidence to change is really low. So there are two other scales I often look at what the, the importance to change level is compared to what their confidence to be able to change is. And and that's a yeah, that's a fascinating two tools to work with. Yeah. So how would you sort of approach someone if they've had, you know, their their confidence levels to improve to change to make a change is pretty low on the scale? What would you do for someone who saw you? Um, well it's very important I think that um, the clients uh, that they're affirmed with who they are and what their strengths are so 
working through perhaps looking at where their strengths lie at the moment in other areas of their life or if they've made changes before what they've done well or how they've gone about it so maybe getting them to discuss some, some times where they have had some success and what they did in those scenarios um, maybe helping to highlight some other areas of their life that they are having some success in and how did they get there and um, what worked for them and what didn't and um, and also maybe what are they willing to try or you know where do they want to get to and that's because the problem is sometimes they have an eye um, they've got these behaviors that may be you know, perceived as negative or not so good for their health going on and then they have these goals up here and talking about their values helps them realize that they're in conflict between their behavior and their goals and where they want to be and helping them kind of understand this imbalance can sometimes help guide them towards the change and then give them confidence that they're able to change just working out some tools that they come up with very important that they come up with the techniques and the tools that they're not told what to do because that's the the biggest thing that backfires when they feel like someone's putting on their expert hat and telling them what to do so it's drawing yeah. it out of them <laughs> you know, yeah but they're actually the experts in their own life on what works yeah. with them yeah yeah well I know well <laughs> I would hate it when someone tells me what to do it's like yeah. you know you go do this no yeah. <laughs> so well, how would you expect anyone else to do it yeah, it's hard not to because we have so much information to share. And I guess another yeah. important thing is really um, feeling like you're always asking permission. You know, would yeah. you like me to give some information about, would you like some guidance in, do you mind if we talk about? And this sense that they're on the same page as us, this sense of mm. um, that, that it's a collaboration and not a friendship, but, you know, you're on equal level, that there's not a hierarchical thing, I think is very important in this area of change. Yeah, yeah. What you're talking about is that writing reflex that I guess, you know, whenever someone tells you something, you just feel the, the, the urge to actually just say, no, this is how it should be done. And it's just as as clinicians also to try to just sort of take a step back from that and say, right, what do you think? So using those open ended questions that you're talking about. And I think reflection and you mentioned that in what you were describing just now, reflection, reflecting on what you've done well and what didn't go so well and why did it not go so well? What are the barriers? And I think reflection is such a powerful tool. Um, mm. well, it's also so a tool we aspects. use within the session um, in that we reflect back what the person's saying to us in often yep. in different words. So they might talk to us about something, then we might reflect that back. Oh, I hear you saying this. And when they hear it back, someone's saying what they've said back to them, but maybe phrase a little bit different. Sometimes it can just feel, it can seem a little bit more real or they can take it on board in a different way um, or summarising things for them in a way that it packages that up that they can kind of take away and think about and make more sense because there's obviously a lot of thoughts going through their mind. So this, this reflecting back what they're saying and summarising um, as well as reflecting on what they're doing rather yeah, very effective tools. Yes. What other tools might you use, Julie, in your motivational interviewing techniques? Uh, well, certainly open-ending questions is is the main one. Um, you know, a yes-no answer kind of stops the conversation, whereas open-ended questions helps them delve a bit deeper, think a bit more thoroughly about things, can send us off in a in a um, in any sort of direction. So, open-ended questions is a is a huge one. Um, we've touched on affirmation, so making sure people understanding what they're doing well um, when they come in, even if they've only achieved a little thing, but they're knowing that, well, that was a great step, or maybe they've achieved nothing between one session and the other, but they've turned up today, and that is fantastic. So a lot of affirmations of what they're doing well, they've got to be genuine, got to be true, you can't just make them up, 
but there's always something that someone can be affirmed about with what they you know are doing well in their life and and trying to find those things to give them some confidence in themselves um, using reflections like we said are very important and uh, and summarizing what's being said so that they feel heard they feel understood they feel like there's real sense of empathy towards what they're going through and all of that builds this great sense of self-efficacy that they've got it in them to be able to change um, so they would be the main tools I think that would run yeah. through a motivational interview kind of session yeah and it's interesting you know in general practice we sort of learned this whole idea of motivational interviewing and there was this sort of like principles um which is stands for the sort of acronym called rule resist the writing reflex um understand the patient's motivation to do why they want to actually make a change um and you listen with empathy um and e stands for empowering the patient and that's basically what you've described but when you actually take it into a lifestyle concept, it actually means so much more. It's just, it's, 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 it's amazing is what I can say. And when you actually apply to practice, change yes. does happen. It does. Um, and I think yeah. the difficult thing maybe in a GP setting is having the time yeah. uh, where you're not feeling rushed to, to stop and be able to really listen to the answers to your open-ended questions. And I think that can mm. be a real challenge, can't it? Just, you know, wanting to give that time, but, you know, kind of needing to move things yeah. along. So it's um it's a bit of a juggle, but, you know, any form of motivating interview techniques will certainly be the right direction to help change behaviour. Yeah, that's right. And I think whatever's said and done, it's the fact that someone's turned up for their follow-up appointment itself is a win. Um, you know, like many a times I've had patients come back and say, I, I didn't do well or I failed you or, you know, yeah, it didn't go well. I'm just, I think I'm done with this. And I'm like, well, the first thing is that you are here. Yes. That's a good sign. And let's talk about what you've actually achieved because, and when they talk about it, reflecting, they actually realize they've actually done more than what they've thought. And I think that's normal for us humans to, you know, sort of, I guess, be hard on ourselves. Like we set our bar so high and we forget mm -hmm. all the little achievements that we've made that actually amounts to quite a bit. Um, and so yeah, I think that's helpful. when, yeah, motivational interviewing is important. And there are many other therapists that we'll talk about, I guess, um, down the track. But um, And health coaching is also important because it's sort of like that, I guess, the way I see it, <laughs> it's a bit of like, a, you know, a, a support um, on your, in your life um, that we often need, especially in this busy sort of, you know, when we're sort of busy just juggling between home life and work life and a pandemic and thrown into the mix. <laughs> Yeah, I think just sometimes it's someone helping you see that you're doing a good job, someone to help draw that information from yourself, from within, um, help guide you to to trust that you actually know how to change, you know how to do it. It's just drawing it out of you. It's just helping you come up with that, that pathway that's self-directed. And I think when they realise it's coming from themselves and they're making the change themselves and the ideas are from themselves, then it's really, um, I mean, that lifts them up itself. That gives them a great self-confidence. So, Yeah, definitely. And I think it's yeah. something that we as GPs should try to do a bit more, even if that's a, you know, a, a, a very shortcut way of doing it. But I think just in putting it into practice just a little bit and then identifying the problems and trying to um, nut it out slowly over time and refer when we have to but that's my take on it um yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today julie um i look forward yeah and i look forward to chatting with you again about other types of therapies that are out there to help behavior change thank you 
Thanks for watching everyone. See you next time. Thank you.